0: You know, we are a people that love to be wowed and amazed, aren't we? I mean, you remember the first time when you were a kid, and the first time you saw fireworks and you thought, ooh, ah. First time you went to a major league baseball game and you saw the grass and the lines and the ball teams, ooh, ah, thank you, Jared. And I, I mean, we're people who just love it. The problem is we, we're also people that we have to continually be wowed. I mean, you just... The, If we're wowed by one thing, we have to be wowed by something else. We're just, we are a people that love to be wowed. But I've also noticed that um, we are a people, according to a study that I read this week, 63% of American adults said that they have been, experienced extreme boredom at least once over the course of the past 10 days. And I'm thinking to myself, If that's true of you, you need to get a job. It's all I can do to get home and have dinner. I mean, but think about that. 63% of us are experiencing extreme boredom at somewhere in our life. I read eight out of 10 Americans, I read this this week, eight out of 10 Americans now say, adults, that they experience some from middle to extreme degrees of anxiety on a daily basis. On a scale of one to three, recently, this was three weeks ago, where you can rank number one is that I'm just not too happy to number three, I am very happy. Americans on average, American adults, gave themselves a 2.08. I want you to think about that. Like, I don't know what your number is, but we wound up kind of in that land of, you know, I'm not sure if I'm happy or, or I'm not. That is a significant decline from 1990, just 30 years. I mean, just think about that. I mean, that's crazy. News research shows that 131 days a year, people don't know what to do with their life. Now, think a third of the year, we don't know what to do. I mean, I want y'all to just ponder some of these statistics. And I, I read all this and I think, to them, I think to myself, you know, this is kind of crazy, boredom, emptiness, unable to focus our attention, frequently combined with frustration and anxiety, a burgeoning lack of interest in all things, and people suffering from boredom feel listless, apathetic, fatigued, and often but obviously anxious about everything. And what should we do about that? Well, I I think we've proven watching the news doesn't help. I think we've proven that social media doesn't help. I think we've proven that just sitting around griping about the problem doesn't help. So maybe what we ought to do is try this novel concept of what does God have to say about what we might ought to consider doing. And so I want to talk to you today about this concept of worship. But it might be different than what many of you think. Because contrary to what the American uh, church would lead you to believe, what we just did in music is not just worship. I mean, the concept is today, if we sing a song that I like and I know the words to and I can participate in it, then that was really good worship. Like, let's take a quick poll. How many of you, just be honest, no no right or wrong here. How many of you would say, I really don't like it, Chuck, when y'all break out a song and I don't know the words to it? Come on, be honest, hold them up high, be proud. How many of you would think right now, I probably should have raised my hand, but I thought you might pick on me? Got it. Okay, so I'm not going to pick on you because I I think that's a normal feeling because we have been sensitized to believe that worship is some demonstrative thing we do that goes along with music. The problem is that is not at all what the scriptures describe as worship. Not only that, but I think we have an extremely small view of God if we believe that God is limited to worship by way of music and music Now, don't get me wrong. Music is an incredible way to enter into the presence of God and enter into a season of worship. But the fact is, these folks that are on the stage, they are not leading you in worship. These folks are worshipers that hopefully are contagious for you to join them in worship. Are you with me? And there's a big difference in that. There's a big difference because if it were up to them to lead us in worship then worship would be contingent on their capacity to do it well. But the fact is, God is not limited, he has not limited worship to those who can sing well or pray well or prophesy well or preach well. God has not limited worship, period. And he has called every follower to worship him. But now watch this, not just every follower of God, but he has designed worship to be so intriguing that when you worship, it becomes your witness and others are drawn to participate in it. But if our witness is dead, that means our worship is dead-er. Are you with me? So my question for you today is, what would God have to say about our worship? I can't think of anybody I'd rather go to than King David to have a conversation about worship. Therefore, in Psalm 63, we begin in verse 1 with these words, O God, you are my God. Now, let me just stop and say that word in and of itself right there, that one sentence is enough to cause you to stop and question, where is your worship today? Because David makes a point in his beginning liturgy here of worship. He begins by saying, O God, as in number one, you are God and I am not. And number two, he goes on and says, you are mine. Now this is the beauty of recognizing worship, that you're able to say, God is not some just universal being out there, but he is your God. Now you can say that because you were designed to be his kid. So you can claim, like I can claim my dad, I can claim God as my heavenly dad. You are my God, David says, and my soul thirsts for you. He says, I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Now, you could say, well, Chuck, this is really good to understand if I'm in the middle of a desert and I have no water. But you have to understand your Old Testament to understand what's happening here because what David is referring to isn't just water but spiritual health. Because the scripture, as he's unpacking this in the Hebrew, is giving us the picture of when our soul is dry and depleted apart from God, we need the fresh spring of what God can well up in us to water and nourish our soul with his presence, with his power, and with his provision. Are you with me? So when David's talking about I thirst for you, he's saying, just like we would today, in this dry and thirsty America where the world has put God on a shelf, I am in desperate need of you, O God, to step into my life and do what only you can do. Now, he goes on, and he's kind of making a point that, hey, American church, your soul should long for God, not like you long for a Wendy's bacon cheeseburger, because often we treat God like a fast food delivery item where we go through a drive through and say, on Sunday morning, I'll take an hour of God, hold the pickle, hold the onion, add a little mayo, because I like that song, and put the ketchup on the side, because this is how I like my worship, and then I consume it, and then I leave, and I wait, and I go to another fast food restaurant, and I order again. Are you with me? And David is saying, and let me say this delicately because I think this this is a really important move. David is saying, stop it. Stop treating a holy and a righteous God like Wendy's. He's saying, don't, don't be satisfied with a fast food worship. I long for all of you to know God like David is calling us to. I mean, it is reaching deep down in our soul and experiencing the presence of God in such a way that there's a heart hunger for more of God. Some of you know that uh, I, I began listening to Christmas music in October. That was my mother's thing on my birthday on October 10. That's when you started listening to Christmas music. I know for some of you, you listen to Christmas music Christmas day, and anything out of that, you just can't take it. Well, don't ride with me. (laughs) So, the other night, I'm making a visit to a family who has an impending death in coming days, and I'd gone by to pray with family, and I'm I'm in the car. It's one of those beautiful nights with this orange and purple sky, you know, in November here in the deep south and begin to see it and just know that has nothing to do with Clemson. And it's just, you see this beautiful sky and I got the windows down and I got the, I got the, the sunroof open and I, I've got the music just cranking. Now, I know you're thinking, I'm a pastor, I, I've got something like Crowder playing. I had Perry Como Christmas playing in my car, cranked up. If you don't know who Perry Como is, you are under 40, maybe 50, possibly 60. But I'm listening to Perry Como Christmas. See, Google it. He 's singing this song where he reads a piece of text of the Christmas story, and then sings a song, and then he reads another story, a part of the text, and he sings a song, then he reads another part and he sings a song, and he gets the part about the three kings i don 't know who decided three kings, but there they were from orient art and they' they're carrying gifts, and they traveled so far and th- come on, that was funny <laughs> not not one chuckle out of that one I mean, really y'all it's it's not biblical, all right, but they're bringing these gifts and I, me and the Lord had a moment. I mean, do you ever have a moment with the Lord? I mean, seriously, ever been with just like, just me and the Lord, we're just riding down the road having a moment. And and the moment that I'm having with the Lord is these guys are bringing gifts before Christmas was Christmas. They, they didn't know you're supposed to give gifts on Christmas. They didn't know that. They didn't know that you give the pastor pecan pies on Christmas. They didn't know that yet. <laughs> I just thought I'd put that in there. And so, But what did they bring? They they brought these incredible gifts, but why did they bring them? Because they were in awe of a new king that had been delivered, that all all of those prophecies were coming true, being fulfilled in the presence of Jesus. How could they not worship Jesus? What did the shepherds do when they arrived? They worshiped him. Did they know what to do? No, these were uneducated men. They didn't know anything to do, but I know the presence of God. They couldn't help but worship. I'm riding down 85. I'm having a moment. And I think to myself, I'm so grateful that God still loves a knucklehead like me to let me have moments. I want you this week to have moments. with the the God of all creation who wants to hold you in his hands and draw you up close to him and have a moment with you that you can worship the God of all heaven and earth. David is saying, I want you to have a heart hunger for God. But you know, I get it. Life is crazy, isn't it? I mean, it just goes on like wide open, nonstop. I mean, there's There are things in life that just want to rob you and steal you of the life and the joy, but some of us have gone at a pace for so long with zero Sabbath in our life, with zero margin on our life, that we don't have any room for God to have a moment in our life because we've got our work in front of our worship. And the Lord God is saying, if you will just trust me and get your worship in front of your work, your work will be filled with moments with me. But the problem is we've got to stop to let the Lord speak that into us. Back to Psalm chapter 63 verse two says this, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Now, is he talking about this place? Is he talking about this worship center, this this sanctuary that you come into to worship? Now, watch this. The answer is yes and no. Yes, we come here to gather and worship, but no, not to leave it here. He says, if you are to worship here, it is for one thing, that you leave and worship out there. That to come and worship here and here alone assumes that you still are living in the days of the Ark of the Covenant and God only resides here. But you see, Jesus came to fulfill all that law so that you could worship him out there. You see, we aren't designed to just come here and sing and call it worship. We are designed to wake up, put our feet on the floor and worship him. But why should we worship him? Watch this, are you ready? Do exactly what I do, you ready? You are alive. That is something to worship. You woke up alone in a quiet home. That is something to worship. You woke up with 17 children screaming for breakfast. That is something to worship. You woke up with someone beside you who snored all night. That is something to worship. You woke up this morning and the sun rose. That is worthy of worship. You woke up and had food. That is worthy of worship. You are alive. of this world is his sanctuary. I love it when folks pull pull this line, well, pastor, I can can worship just as well at Lake Lanier. (laughs) My question is, then why don't you? Well, but but there's the boat, and there's the rope, and and you you got the skis, and I got to blow up the float, I got to get ready for, then where's your worship? Well, I can worship just as well. I can worship just as well on a golf course. Then why don't you? Well, Chuck, I I can worship just as well at home. Then why don't you? Because we've lost our awe in the sanctuary of God. Listen to what else he has to say. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. By the way, praise is not a song. Praise is an element that comes forth from your heart. Praise is an element that says, in my heart I know of the goodness of God. I cannot help but express how much he loves me because there's nothing I can do to make him not love me. That is worthy of your praise. And listen, I get it. Most of us grew up in a world where we don't know how to offer the world world anything except false praise, but we can offer God our true praise. God, I love you. I praise you. I thank God for you. I am grateful to you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you say, but Chuck, I don't like to do that publicly because, you know, it's private to me. But you barked like a fool for four hours yesterday. I had something snarky I wanted to say, but I'm not going to do it. I will praise you as long as I live, he said, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. I know I drive y'all crazy when I do this. I can watch it in your face. I know which ones of you I drive crazy. When I do, give him some praise. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Come on church, give him some praise. I know I drive y'all crazy with that. I know I do, but let me tell you why I do it. I want you to know the moment with God when he steps in your life and takes over and says, I love you. I want you to know it. I don't want you to sit there and say, what, why are those people excited? I don't want you to leave out of here and get in your car and say, man, I wish I would have. I want you to be able to praise him. There's two elements to our worship, by the way. There's a vertical worship. Psalm chapter 40 verse 3 puts it this way. I got Siri going crazy on my, I, I'm okay. Yeah. She thought I was in an accident, but I'm good. No, I did not fall. I'm good. Man. Listen to Psalm 40, verse 3. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Worship, my friend, becomes your witness. You see, listen, every study on the planet shows less than 3% of you in the next year are going to even attempt to tell somebody else about your faith in Christ. But listen to me, you're not off the hook because you're an introvert, because your worship is your witness. Psalm 40, verse 3 says, he's given me a new song. When's the last time God gave you a new song? David's sitting there. He doesn't have a cord. He did not have a sheet. He doesn't have anything. You know what the Lord spoke to his heart? A new song. You ever been riding down the road and you just start singing? I mean, you don't even know what you're singing. I mean, there's nothing like not knowing what you're gonna sing, just sing. I see Leanne back here. Nobody can, I mean, I can't sing like Lee, right? I mean, that girl can wail, man. I, I can't sing like Lee, but you know what I can do? I can make a ridiculous noise. I think the Lord longs for us to do that with our vertical worship. David had an experience with God. God had rescued him. God had refreshed him. David had an experience with the presence of God. He was changed to the degree that he had a new song. He couldn't be silent about it. He sang praise. He put a new song in my mouth, he said. He was excited. He wasn't bored or frustrated or anxious, but thrilled with his worship. In song and in praise, he was excited he couldn't contain his joy. He couldn't contain his happiness. He couldn't contain his relief. He had to shout. He had to sing. Not like a dude that's worried about what others think about him. Well, I don't know. You know what? I, I'm sitting next to a guy that works for me, and I don't know what they're going to think. Well, do you want to think you, that? Do you want them to think you love God, or do you want them to think that you're ashamed of God? Which one do you want? Well, Chuck, I'm not ashamed of God. Then prove it. I mean, God's not working privately in your life. He's working private in your life that you might have a public witness. All the songs were designed to be sung. Singing is an important part of spiritual expression. Singing is mentioned some 70 times explicitly in the Psalms. And it wasn't just any song that David sang, was it? It was a new song. Every person wants to get about knowing God in such a way that his presence overwhelms them. A vertical worship also has a horizontal dimension. Just as there's vertical dimensions to worship, there are also horizontal dimensions. David said, many will see. Now get this. David said, many will see, and they'll know God's presence. And they will fear, or they will be in awe. They They will revere and put their trust, or they'll find security in the Lord. And David praised God, and people saw it, and they were captured by it. When we worship in spirit and truth, a lost world is drawn to it. The security that David found in God was contagious and others wanted part of it. We don't worship just at church because worship ought to be a constant attitude of activity in our life. Followers of Jesus at church, we worship publicly and corporately. And when the church gathers to worship, it also gathers to witness. When people far from God, hear those who are close to God giving heartfelt worship to God, then when they see that heartfelt worship, they are intrigued to move closer to God themselves. And I would urge you, let us be a people that know that and see it happen. What what happens when that occurs? Sparks from a fire of worship ignite dry hearts and cause them to sing a new song and seek praise for a God they haven't even met yet. And that's why offering boring hearts of worship is sinful and wrong. It doesn't have to be music, but it does have to be God. This is why we don't sing just any music here. We sing Jesus music here. This is why what we offer is this. We want to honor Jesus in every song we do. There's two elements to every worship, just like there are two products of worship. Folks with Jesus are drawn to Jesus through worship. Paul said to the church in Corinth, and I absolutely love this. Paul said to the church in Corinth, he had a message for them, And in doing so, here's what he said, and I don't want you to miss this. This is in chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians, verse 24. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. Now you say, wait a minute, Chuck, I'm not a prophet and I'm not prophesying. Watch this. Are you ready? Because I'm about to lose some of you Baptists here, but stick with me here. You ready? If you are singing of the goodness of God, you are prophesying to his goodness. If you are singing of the power of Jesus, you are prophesying to the goodness of Jesus. If you are singing of the salvation of Jesus, you are prophesying to the salvation of Jesus. If you are singing a new song, you are prophesying to the new and wondrous power of Jesus the Lord. And what happens is people are captivated by what God's doing in you and in doing so, drawing people unto himself. Jesus said in John 12, and when I am lifted up from the earth, by the way, you don't have to be a preacher to figure that one out. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Why would you sing Jesus? Because when he is lifted up He draws everyone to himself. Did you notice? He doesn't draw them to the church. He doesn't draw them to the singer. He doesn't draw them to the preacher. He doesn't draw them to a denomination. He draws people to himself. And we are to worship because of who he is, not because of what we are. We worship in spite of what we are because apart from him, we offer this world nothing when jesus is lifted up in praise and worship people that don't know jesus are attracted to him william booth the founder of the salvation army said this are you ready if a church were to actually catch on fire for god people from miles around would come to watch it burn are you bored frustrated lonely anxious Well, you might need help. You might need to call or or look up clearpathcounseling.org. I mean, many of you, that's what it's there for, right? Like if you you have that need, just clearpathcounseling.org. Fill out that assessment. You'll get a call back and uh, Julie or somebody will do an assessment for you and get you connected with a counselor to help you. But let me also say, in the meantime, get started busy worshiping and praising and watch how the God of all creation speaks peace into your life. We're willing to try everything but offering worship to the Lord. Folks without Jesus are drawn to Jesus through worship and followers of Jesus are sent out to tell the world about him. I don't want you to miss this. In the gospel of Matthew, this is just the the message that Jesus leaves the church comes known as the great commission. In Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16, watch what happens prior to the great commission. It says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, listen to these three words, they worshiped him. Say it with me. They worship him. Now change it. I will worship him. You ready? I will worship him. When we come to worship him, great things occur. Look what happens after that. And some of them, uh-oh, some of them doubted. No differently than you. Listen. If, if the 11 that Jesus was left with, if they doubted, how much more so do we have people online or in this room that are doubting? And all I'd say to you is this, given your present circumstances, what do you have to lose? Other than to offer worship and praise to the one who created you and formed you in your mother's womb. Because when I look at this, look what happens after the worship. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. That is worthy of worship. But did you notice that worship happened and then the charge to the church? Most of us have gotten it backward. We come and worship the work of the church instead of worshiping the God that built the church and then work on his behalf. you got to get your worship in front of your work or your work is tainted. We are a -a work-a-day kind of church. We do missions left and right. But listen, if our worship doesn't come in front of our work, our work is worthless. We are created to get this. The disciples saw Jesus and they worshiped him. Shouldn't that be our response too? Lord, I just worship for you, for who you are. But there's two challenges to that, right? I mean, number one, you have to choose to celebrate if you want to choose to worship. You've got to choose to believe that God is good. And all the time, God is good, right? Because God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. You, You make that choice if you choose to worship. You say, but Chuck, you you just don't know what's going on in my life. I know I don't know what's going on in your life, but I will tell you this, a God who does know calls you to worship him. And in that, he wants to fill you and lay aside your troubles, anxieties, fears, and cares. Celebrate God's gift of mercy and grace and God's touch of forgiveness, God's power to lift you out of the gross parts of this life. God's provision that'll set you on solid footing. Sing a new song, sing a hymn of praise. But secondly, you get to go tell others what you experience. Worshippers don't just enjoy God's presence for themselves. They worship in such a way that is contagious for others. Why is it I want to give you this permission to worship in spirit and truth so that it's contagious? God wants you to live on both sides of the word of worship, the preparation and the experience. He wants you to be ready to worship him. Tomorrow morning, when your feet hit the floor, be ready to worship Him. Tonight, when your head hits the pillow, be ready to worship Him. You are to be drawn to Him, to worship Him. But here's the kicker God doesn't want you to stay there, He wants to send you out. God wants us to worship, but He also wants us to witness. It's like seeing that gorgeous sunset on a beach, and it's like, oh, it's so pretty. And you take a picture and you post it on Facebook. You post it on Instagram and we all go, Oh, I wish I was there. I'm jelly. We we see it and we know it, but you know, most of us don't live on that beach. We come home with it. And then we share the story of it. We tell people about the food we ate and the fried shrimp and the hush puppies and the tropical slaw and that that flounder New Orleans and uh, the butter that ran off the lobster and it dripped off my chin and onto my shirt And, and it was unbelievable and we're looking at the boats come in and it was, oh, it was so pretty. You don't just come home and not talk about it. This is worship. It's watching the sun fall while you're with the one you love and you can't wait to tell the world about it be a worshiper but also be a witness and be drawn into God's presence but be sent out into the world I want to invite you today just to bow your head and close your eyes with me as I finish we're going to finish with a couple of worship songs but I I can't help but let a moment like this go without helping you see how much God loves you I mean, it feels like it should be so easy to offer up worship to one who created you, informed you, and gave you life. Who has this extraordinary plan for you to prosper and to enjoy this journey. And all that he wants you to do is worship him in spirit and truth. And I invite you this week to worship him in spirit and in truth. To recognize in every moment he is God and you are not to recognize his presence and his power. And maybe today you'd say, but Chuck, I, I, I don't know how to do that. Then let me introduce you to Jesus, the Lord, who said, if you will call on his name, that he will step into your life and he will bring you that joy and that presence and that peace and that contentment. And the way you just call on the name of the Lord is just to invite him into your life. Jesus, would you forgive me? I've, I've made bad choices. Jesus, would you be my, would you be my, my guide, my director? Would, would you take over? I'm tired of living for me. I wanna live for you. I wanna worship you in spirit and truth. And I wanna thank you that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me, that I might have life and I might have it in abundance and I might have it for eternity. Friend, if that's the desire of your heart, let it be your prayer today and then worship him. In spirit and in truth. Father, we praise you. We thank you. And I pray we would worship you this week, not just in our music, but in our thanks and in our prayer and in our praise, in our attitude, in our work, in our interactions, in our relationships. Lord, do what only you can do in this time. And stir our soul to worship you in Jesus' name. And everyone said. Amen. Come on, church, let's worship him. Come on, let's worship him. Yeah.
1: Share with you a song um, called fullness we haven't sung it in a minute but it is it is our prayer and our cry today all the fullness of who he is would transform who we are god may we see you for who you are and worship you in response and may it be a part of our testimony and our witness that you are good that you are faithful that you are a god who restores and redeemed so spirit come and speak to us today are you with us Yeah.
0: When you exit this place, leave with a heart of worship. Let this Jesus go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. Amen. when things get difficult and dark, let him come behind you and pick you up and carry you, not around the mess, but right through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap you up with his loving arms and let him say to you eyeball to eyeball, face to face my child say it with me I love you come on that's worthy of worship God bless you go in peace